Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Subhub Podcast. I'm MK Sullivan. And I'm Danny Moreno. And uh, today we'd like to start just with a quick and much needed remembrance of Amelia Branyafelt. Uh, she was a daughter, sister, teammate, um, and sadly she passed away on November 13th. Um, her brother, Adam, did a Instagram post Um it was a very nice remembrance. And if you can, he's asking uh, people for for people to share the posts, you know, where he talks about his sister, um, but really just focuses uh, a large part on suicide prevention, uh, because sadly, Amelia did leave us that way. Yeah. Yeah. And his post was really um, pointed towards the zero suicide, which aims to kind of expand um, suicide prevention and, and um, hospital care for that kind of um, stuff, which it seems that Amelia may have sought after and did not receive. And so um, just a reminder to go check out that page, that post, we can uh, put it in the show notes. And if you feel that you need help, that you're in a crisis situation, or that somebody that you know is in a crisis situation, the suicide hotline number for the U.S. is 988. Yeah. And just um, also a reminder, you know, I think it's easy to feel immediately impacted by this as she was a member of our community and then of the running community, but also trail community specifically. And just know that everyone grieves differently. So even if you may have not known her personally and you feel affected, uh, it's completely normal uh, to feel like that. Um, and yeah, to, to reach out to loved ones if you need that extra support through this time. Yeah. And um, Danny, how are you doing? And I mean, we haven't talked in like two weeks, it feels like. And so I'm just wondering, how how are you doing? How's the Adidas team doing with this um, news? Because I know that Amelia was one of your teammates. Yeah, it was kind of uh, surreal to to receive the message. I actually received it the morning that I was doing this race out in Bentonville. Um, and so I kind of just had to really sit with it that morning. And yeah, I mean, it's a message you never want to receive as a teammate. And um, I think... The biggest thing to me is that immediately I felt closer to, oh, I didn't realize I was going to get emotional. Um, yeah, uh, closer to your teammates. And we all just like, you know, reached out to one another via text, WhatsApp, uh, got on the phone with a couple of teammates. Um, and yeah, just, I feel, I thought <laughs> in in a much better place. Um, I was telling MK offline, I, I know, sadly a couple other people that have you know left the earth too early and were similar age and I was much closer to those people um and so I think it kind of brought some of that up as well and sadly a, a lot of us know people that have taken their lives um but yeah I think the biggest thing just talking to Mike my partner is that immediately it, it gives you a place of gratitude um and yeah, I think it, what's hard about it is it's like so easy to put yourself in her shoes. She's like 
one of us and all of us at the same time, especially when you feel so connected by a passion. Um, but yeah, I think, I hope that she is running free and in a better place. And yeah, just thinking about her family mostly. Yeah. yeah. How did, how did you feel kind of hearing the news? I mean, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, yeah, unfortunately we've, I would dare say that most of us have been touched by somebody who has taken their life too soon, unfortunately. And um, it was just heartbreaking because she was so young and has like just so much life left. And um, yeah, it's, it just, things can feel hopeless and that's why we should always make a point to reach out to each other, reach out to your friends. And if you feel like you need help, reach out to your friends. If you don't want to reach out to somebody um, that you don't know and uh, just be willing to help each other, you know, it's um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. And I, I hope that her family finds peace in this time, because I know uh, that that can be the hardest part is to not overthink it and uh, wonder like what you could have done differently when, a lot of the times there isn't much that you can do, unfortunately. So um, I just hope for peace for her family and her friends and for the Swedish running community in general. Yeah. Um, um, yes. uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone feels the same. We just, uh, yeah, really wanted to touch upon that. So yeah, let's, let's shift gears, you know, to things we're, we're uh, gracious for and um Let's uh, transition. So <laughs> I guess ahead of this part out potentially, maybe not. Um, as you can see, it's very hard to transition from something that hits yes. your heart in this way. But something we also love, but in a different vein, is you know remembering the greatness that happened this year in our sport. And so MK and I just really wanted to kind of give our own takes you know specifically on the sub ultra space um and what performances and individuals really stuck out to us um and you know right now free trail also launched its fantasy or just kind of like its end of year voting and this year they did add uh performance of the year which i think is awesome because you know sometimes people don't have the whole year but they have you know something that really stands out and helps push the, the sport forward uh, but before we get into kind of our set of categories that we chose to focus on, um, how did your year go, MK? <laughs> wow. It feels like my year was all over the place, um, but not at the same time. I was like looking back on my results, actually, when I was going through everybody else's results. And I was like, feels like I didn't even race like that often because I took such a big break in between uh, worlds and OCC, which last year I like felt like I raced all summer. So yeah, I mean, I, I got to start off my season, um, at the Houston half marathon where I tried to qualify for Olympic trials and, uh, missed it by a minute, but still ran a PR and it's always fun to just feel a little fast every once in a while, since a lot of our training is uphill and kind of slow. If you can consider running fast uphill, slow, strength -based. um, yeah, strength-based. <laughs> And then uh, after the Houston half marathon, I quickly shifted gears to try to qualify for the world championships. So I went to the formidable 50 K in Auburn where I was second to none other than Kimber Maddox and um, got an automatic spot onto the U S team. Um, from there, I had to qualify for OCC. So I ran the canyons 50 K um, and finished 
third behind Heather Jackson and a woman from Ireland whose name is escaping me right now, but got my spot to OCC. Was that Katarina? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, my big goal for the year and looking back, my biggest race of the year was the world championships in June. Um, I had an amazing race. I went out feeling really terrible. I was in like 25th place for a lot of the race. And then um, on the final hill moved from 22nd place to uh, 11th place and then passed somehow miraculously two Europeans on the most technical downhill I've ever run in my life to finish ninth place. Um, and third uh, for the team, for the U.S. team with Jen Lichter being fourth and I think Kimber being 12th. Um, and then from there, trained really hard all summer, went to OCC had to drop out in a really dramatic fashion uh, at the top of Col de Balm, lots of tears, um, but then got to spend a really cool week and a half in Chamonix, like doing stuff with Free Trail and and my craft team and supporting uh, one of my best friends, Helen Mino Faulkner, and her third place finish at CCC, and then went on to win the Mammoth Trail Fest 50K, which is always a blast. Second year going to Mammoth Trail Fest, second year of the event. And um, yeah, I have now won all three events there, <laughs> which is kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, I had planned to run the California International Marathon, but had a little bit of an injury. And so now we are done for the season, which feels weird, but uh, shifting to 2024. How did your season go, Danny? Well, I'm interested to hear what maybe your expectations meets reality was of 2023. Like, what are you taking with you going into next year? Yeah, for sure. Um, My expectation was that I could perform at a high level all year long (laughs) (laughs) and like travel to all these places and be healthy the whole time. Um, But it turns out that um, I was able to perform really well at Worlds. I didn't place as high as I wanted to, but I know that the race that I ran was really good. And so I can't like look back in that and be like, oh my God, I wasn't on the podium. What a shitty race. Um, But obviously I had higher expectations for OCC and kind of the end of my year. Um, And when that didn't go well, uh, I felt like I had to like redeem it, I guess, by like signing up for all these races that I didn't really want to do. (laughs) Um, And that was exhausting, like trying to redeem myself in some way. And so, yeah, the second half of my year didn't go the way that I wanted it to, but I think it was a really good learning experience for myself that like not every year has to end on a high note and um, to remember that the performances that I did have that were good, maybe my last performances that are good. So I have to like take more time and appreciate those more instead of just being like, okay, did it on to the next race. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. I cannot, I think your, uh, or I know your performance at worlds was just like world-class. Like if I were you, I would have walked away and been like, I can do anything sort of thing, uh, especially on the last downhill. I need to look back at our text messages, but I remember counting how many people you caught. It was like 10 plus people in like the last part. I can't quite remember. I, I passed what. 11 total people. Yeah. Um, was, I think there was wait, only one. No, I passed. 
I was in 22nd and I finished in ninth. So I passed 13 people <laughs> in That's the last like 45 minutes of the race, I think. Yeah. I think there was only one person that maybe caught the same amount and they were further back, um, kind of moving up into like the twenties or something like that. So yeah. Yeah. You smashed that downhill. <laughs> yeah. My mom sent me some videos of like me running up that downhill recent or that up the uphill, the final uphill recently. And that was kind of like one of the days where I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I trying to force the end of this year? And I was like trying to um, focus on my performance at Worlds. And like, I I don't remember them being there. I don't remember Tommy having his shirt off with Go USA Sharpie <laughs> on his chest, like screaming at me because I was so dialed in on that last downhill. And like looking at the video, you can see it in my face. Like I'm not there. <laughs> I'm in a different world, like just, just taking people down one by one. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think incredible for sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, I know that your season was maybe a little, uh, there were less races on it, I think, than you had originally hoped and planned for. So I'm curious to hear about your uh, experience in your season. Yeah, I think after... OCC, my thought process was, um, this wasn't the year that I wanted, but this was the year I needed. And then I got a quick chance at, or I guess I'll start from the beginning. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we started with Boston and, you know, complicated feelings there. I was like really proud that I got to the start line considering the historic winter, which I can already say, I'm just laughing because right now in town, I can still run in town on some of the trails and this time last year, all the trails, like even down to our track, which is like 10 minutes away was covered in snow. And I I just was just leave it. Cause me, I was like, Oh, if I had this year, last year, it's like, no, it's no, it's gone. It's gone. Now, now you can just run on trails and focus on this trail season. Exactly. (laughs) While you can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but Boston was great. And it was the first time I think in like maybe a handful of races where I set a goal and didn't hit it and, you know, very hard in the moment or devastating in the moment. Um, but I think it's good. Cause I was thinking, I was like, dang, if I had qualified for the trials, then I'd already be back at it. And I've kind of enjoyed this downtime. Um, and then I got married, which, you know, that made this whole year, just one of the best years of my life, despite the results. Um, so that whole wedding week was just, you know, that it could have just been that week and it would have been incredible. Um, and then going back to, to racing, you know, did a couple of, uh, smaller races, just trying to race a little bit into shape, GoPro, run the bridge, second places all around, uh, headed over to Iger, which that reminded me that, um, I can race by myself, uh, which I think was a good reminder because the last few years I've been mainly in races where I'm competing against other people. Um, and then, yeah. And then OCC, which was great. <laughs> so great. Okay. Uh, yeah. Listen to that episode. If you want to hear more of our, in the our tears. Yeah. But recently I will say the biggest thing that I took away from OCC, even though it took a while to figure out what the lesson was, was just like, kind of like the baby bird metaphor like if you squeeze something so tightly that is like semi-precious or precious to you, like sometimes that can ruin it. And I was thinking back to the week when I heard the course got changed 
And like, I'm not really proud of how I handled that. Like I tried mitigating it with like humor and stuff with friends, but inside I was really upset about that. Like, no, I want the same course as last year. Cause that's what I did well on. And like, that's what I know. And like, I'm better than that. Like I, so it reminded me to be like, no, like don't hold it so tightly that like the course change in that completely shifted my mindset. Um, so that was a really good reminder about that. Like with trail running, especially like you have to be so ready for variables constantly. And we, I feel that when I think I have it figured out and something like throws a wrench, like a little bit of my control comes out and it came out big that week because I was so like, I want to win this race. Like, you know, like win or zero sort of mentality. Um, so it was a good, just reminder to relax about that stuff. And like, you have to show up and be ready for anything like OCC, it could have thunderstormed on us. Right. And like, we needed to be ready for that. Or it could have been like super hot and like suddenly really humid. Um, so yeah, I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I'm taking. And then <laughs> going into the rest of the year, what was nice is like, it wasn't planned at all. So the pressure was off, which like helped with that baby bird metaphor where I was like, I perform so much like at my best Mammoth Trophus, I think I was like a little race, not, I was a little race dull, like I wasn't race sharp and I missed some boobs, but that's okay. But like overall, I was really proud of that performance. And then same with Kodiak where I was like, wow, I feel so light compared to how I was going into OCC. So like, that's my biggest goal this next year is like any of my A races, I should feel as light as I did as those last couple races. Yeah. I mean, you just, you take the joy out of it when you or squeezing that baby bird. Like, I totally yeah. feel that Tommy and I talked about this a lot about how I, I just put way too much pressure on OCC. And then when I like got sick and didn't feel good, it felt like the world was like crumbling around me. Yeah. <laughs> and it, sh- it shouldn't feel like that. Like yeah. it should just be like, Oh, well shit. I came all the way out of here, but today is like, just not, it's not it. And it's not my last race. So why am I freaking out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. So yeah, OCC. Yeah, maybe it's just what we needed to help reground us in the in the bigger scape setting of things. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um. Cool. Shall we get into the fun? Yes. Um, yes. Let's do it. So, uh, our end of year episode is going to involve some and and Danny and I actually have not shown each other um what we've been thinking other than the uh, actual titles or uh, categories themselves. And so the categories that we're going to be kind of going with um, for this episode are team of the year, um, most consistent, breakout or rookie athlete, performance of the year, and performer of the year. And um, maybe this will kind of help you with your free trail, trail runner of the year as well, because I know that, um, you know, our, our, goal with this podcast is to bring more light to sub ultra races because honestly these athletes are insane and so hopefully we can give you some information as well um so that you can include some sub ultra athletes in your trail runner or performance of the year uh free trail thing what do yeah. you think dan yeah no 100 and for us too we we added the uh, categories like team and most consistent just because these are areas we feel that are underrepresented in kind of you know end of year sort of stuff um so you hope we hope you enjoy all right let's start with team of the year and again this is from a sub 
ultra lens. Uh, so we're not including athletes like Courtney DeWalter, Jim Walmsley and our picks, et cetera, as to why we chose a team. Yeah. You want to go yeah. first? <laughs> uh, sure. Do you want me to do both of mine? Like both men and women's team? Uh, yeah. Okay. So my brand slash team of the year for men is um, Run Together, the team from Kenya that Patrick Ipniano and Philemon Umbogo are part of. This one was really hard because I had, uh, I was also thinking Brooks because the Brooks men have kind of really shown out. But uh, I mean, Patrick and Philemon are two of the best athletes in the world, in my opinion, right now. And so, um, yeah, I had to go with Team Run Together. But my honorable mention team actually ended up being the Great Britain men's short trail team at Worlds because they, I think, may have been the only top team that only had three athletes. That's all they had. You score three, they had three. And they went two, five, and eight at Worlds to win the team uh, title. And I just thought that was insane. <laughs> um, and then my women's team is going to be Solomon. Um, on the women's side, you had Daniela Oymas won Zagama. Caitlin Fielder was second. Um, Sophia Lockley won Sears and all. Malinosa, standout young gun of the year. And Meow Yao, like a, just a ton of like super solid performances from the Solomon women's team this year. What are your teams? That's great. I love that so much. Um, that's so funny because yeah, my men's team, I ended up choosing Brooks, mm -hmm. I think, but now that you're saying it, I might be swayed more to go to run together. Cause it's literally like, what is it? Three of them. I, I forget what the third gentleman's name is. He was also at Sears now, but just having Philemon and uh, Patrick, just like, that's insane. Like Slaying. that would make any team, but I chose Brooks because I feel like for their brand, they've been in the trail space a couple of years now. Actually, they've been in trail space for a really long time, but it was clear that they were making an investment with the addition of some newer athletes in the last couple of years. Um, and I feel like this was the first year that I actually noticed them. I'm sorry, <laughs> at least on the sub ultra scene. And to me, uh, Dolomites, like that, you know, that's such a big race, so historic. And they just like, showed up to the point where it really turned my head and then the rest of the year uh, I kind of just kept noticing them it's like once you see the yellow car all you could see is yellow cars and all I could see is Brooks um, and so that's why I ended up choosing them but I do think run together from a performance standpoint if you were to like just race those two teams they obviously would win that yeah, yeah. um so we'll maybe we'll put Brooks as an honorable mention on the men's side <laughs> <laughs> And then the women, I also put Solomon because Sophia, Caitlin, and Malin were consistently like in the top 10. Meow, meow. Sometimes people forget she's Solomon too. Yeah. Um, and they were just like at, on a, every podium that you- They were always think, there. They were always there. The only podium that they weren't on, actually Teresa, she's also Solomon, right? LaBeouf? Uh, or I she's like one of those, like she's a Solomon athlete that's also a part of a team. And so like, she's not listed as Solomon. Yeah. But I think when she's on golden trail, it says Solomon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's another one. So they, I was about to say the only, uh, podium I could think of was maybe world set Solomon wasn't at, um, but they still like OCC meow. Yeah. Was there all the golden trail, you know, between Sophia, um, and others, like we're always in the top five. And so, yeah, their women are just 
really strong. Rushing it right now. Yeah. Um. So our next uh category is breakout breakout performer or rookie performer they don't necessarily have to be like a first year trail runner um because a lot of people aren't before they have like their big season um so for this one we actually have a global and a u.s um category so global uh man global woman and u.s for both of those categories so danny do you want to start us off um yes so u.s men i end up going with christian allen for it just like he just i don't know i'm I'm curious to see who you end up picking but he he i know he had a rough go at pikes um but he just was crushing on the valsier mountain cup and there's enough crossover to make a pretty good comparison and to me trofeo masego was like just insane performance i mean he was right on the butt of Philemon and Patrick going third there. Um, and this was before they finished off the Golden Trail World Series season, where obviously they still continued to perform. Um, but honestly, what was most eye-opening for me is that this a couple of weeks ago he was racing in Bentonville, and it was kind of like a mini US men's championship. You know, there's a couple guys missing, like Eli and Mika, but you know, we have our goat, Joe Gray, um, Morgan Elliott and Dan Kurtz and Christian Allen just like shot off the front and crushed. And I looked at his his pace afterwards and like having personally ran those trails, I was like, what the heck? How did he run that fast? (laughs) (laughs) It was wild to me. Um, And the trail wasn't super buffed out. Like it was pretty technical. So I was like, this dude can literally do everything. So mega shout out to him. I'm really interested to see if he ends up signing with anybody going into next year or what his uh, situation ends up being, because I just think he's a mega talent that like, if you were a brand, I'd be reaching out to Christian Allen as like a future sub ultra, like world level star. Yeah. What about you? I also chose Christian Allen. <laughs> Big I Christian like Allen fans over yeah. here. The kid has just knocked it out of the park this year. I mean, he was also second at Challenge Selena for the, um, well, second yeah. while he competed for the U.S. team. And he had a very dominant win at Speed Goat this year. That's so right. he kind of yeah. is like, he can do it all. He crushed that 10K race. He did great at Selena. His, yeah, his third at Trofeo Nisego behind Philemon and Patrick were probably what really did it for me. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, also being able to dominate at Speedgoat, which makes me curious, is he going to run OCC next year? Because if he is, I think he's going to be really good at it. Yeah, yeah. And he's someone that, I don't know when we're going to end up releasing this, but he's running CIM and he's someone I'm definitely interested to see how they do. Because I he didn't just know had, that. That's exciting. He, yeah. Like, I've, I don't know. My gut is that he'll definitely hit the trials mark. It's just how fast will he go under it is my yeah. curiosity. Because um, he just, yeah natural born trail runner. And then my, um, honorable mention is Mika. Yeah. Yeah. All right. U S women. Um, I ended up going with Anna Gibson. Um, she did great at broken arrow. And the thing with Anna Gibson, I think what made me choose her also is that she really only raced half of the year and she's already known. So that to me, like also shows like she's doing well, um, but yeah, great finish at Broken Arrow, ended up winning the VK, ended up getting second in the 26K behind uh, Allie Mack, mm-hmm. um, and then ended up getting third in her first World Series race. And I know she wasn't feeling that great for the final, but like 
uh, also top five at Mammoth Trophies. I think she was fourth. So yeah, yeah, she's she's one to keep your eyes on. I'm very interested to see like how her year plays off with with track, you know, because I would love to see her at the the trials and the final and stuff. Um, but also equally excited to see her back on the trails. Yeah, mine was also Anna, which isn't surprising. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, she was also third at Challenge Selena this year, and that was her yeah. first race back coming off of her injury. So I was super impressed by that. Um, and her, if you guys listen to our episode with Dylan about like between Pikes and Mammoth, uh, she ran the smartest race at Mammoth out of like the entire field. If you looked at like her, or sorry, yeah, Pikes. If you looked at her trajectory compared to others, like she just built the whole way up and like was taking people down. Whereas most people go out pretty hard and like slowly die, um, which as a rookie trail runner, that's super impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's a testament to that. I think she has a promising future because it shows that she's very coachable. And yeah. I know that's kind of like a weird word for some people, but I think it is good to come in somewhat humble to the sport, especially when you haven't done a lot of it before. And she has David Roche as a coach who has coached many a great athletes. And so for him to say like, Hey, take it easy in that first hour. And for her to listen, I think is awesome. Like, I don't know. Is it that's, it's hard to do that. In, it's hard. Like those international fields, especially when you're new. I mean, last year I could not go out easy. Like people were going out hard. I was doing it too. And maybe it wasn't the best idea sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe MK is on the uncoachable. No, I'm kidding. Sorry, Rick. <laughs> you just got to follow your heart, you know? Um, but yeah, also with Ada and Mika, who was our honorable mention, we, our last episode was with them. So definitely be sure to listen to that, uh, to hear what they're thinking for next year. Okay. Yeah. Global. This was hard. <laughs> At yes. least the women were hard for me. Same. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, uh, no, I went first. <laughs> now it's your turn. Okay. Um, so my, um, global breakout guy is Roberto De Lorenzi. Um, he was second at Trans Grand Canaria earlier this year in the marathon, second at Dolomith, which I thought was a huge performance right behind El Huzin, who has also had a really good year this year, winning both of the, um, the prologue and the final race at the golden trail world series. Um, he was fifth at tears and all, uh, and then he was sixth at Pikes peak third at mammoth and finished his season winning the sky masters race, not winning sky running overall, just the sky masters final. Um, and like, he's not new to trail running, but this is the first time I have really known who he was. And he really shot out of a rocket. <laughs> yeah, I, he was listed on mine for that reason. Cause also I knew he had been in the, uh, the space just from like recognizing his face, you know, I can always do better on this, but I'm like, obviously more, uh, engaged in the women's results than the men. Yeah. And like, I definitely had seen him at races, um, but not ever like fighting for the wins and stuff like that. But I ended up going with Philemon on Vogo. Um, just his years and now performance is just to me, one of the biggest upsets of the year. Like there yeah. was so much hype for Remy and then also Patrick, like people knew more of Patrick and, you know, kudos to Patrick because Patrick let us know that his teammates were coming. But to me, you know, not only defeating Remy, but beating Patrick, who's coming off his VK champ, like such a, such a breakout performance where it's like, 
everyone should know this guy's name now. And then yeah. going forward, you know, continuing to win on Valsir Cup and having a great uh, finish to Golden Trail. It's like, I am so excited to see him hopefully commit more uh, to Golden Trail and Valsir next year. Yeah, no, I agree. That one was hard. That, those were the two yeah. that I went back and forth <laughs> between was Roberto and uh, Philemon. But um, so my women's breakout of the year is uh, Clementine Joffrey. Um, also someone who's like kind of been in the trail space, uh, but this was definitely a breakout season for her, her, um, French national championship and her win at worlds were just like unreal performances. Uh, she and Judith only finished like a minute or two apart at worlds, but Judith was winning that race until the final downhill. And I'm not like, I'm pretty sure she was quite a bit ahead of everybody for a while, um, and then she and Judith beat third place, uh, Teresa LaBeouf by almost 16 minutes. So it was an insane performance in my opinion. Um, and I like, I didn't know who she was before this year. And then she went on to win, um, Sky Race Mathezines, Gorbea Suzian, and she was the overall Sky running, uh, champion for the season. But my honorable mention is Malinosa, um, who we interviewed prior to the final, uh, also, just another young rising star was in the top five of pretty much every race she ran this year. But for me, it's Clementine. Solid. It's so funny. I love comparing these because like I have all the, I'm sure we have very similar uh, names. I also went with Clementine uh, because or Clementine because yeah, to come out on the world stage, like obviously winning the French national championship, they're mega stacked over there. So it kind of like turned my head, but I'm like, I don't know how many people were like making that an A race, you know, maybe I was like, I don't know, you know, I'll just see what happened. And then at worlds to just like win on in that field, like that field was mega stacked like that. And yeah. OCC are just to me, head and shoulders above a, a lot of the other fields. Um, and, and she and Judith, like, they ran probably 20 or 30 minutes faster than you and I thought that race would go. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> and I, a great reminder on how much they beat then third place by like, they were in their own race pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then my other one was Madalena. Uh, yeah. Ended up winning both of the races at the golden trail final to me, honestly, with her uh, it's, that at Sears now she went for it everyone's like who is this chick going for it you know and like yeah. ultimately she ended up fading back but you got but she still got top 10 yeah you gotta <laughs> give props for her she just hauled for it and then Mamet trail fest unfortunately took a wrong turn but she was on her way to winning that race um and then uh yeah coming back and winning the two at golden trail to go all the way up to third overall in the standings in your first year like yeah, just kind of jaw dropping. And one of my favorite things about Madalena is that like she, when she finishes, she has so much emotion, you know, like you could she's tell put it all out there. Yeah. And like, she just is like, this is a dream and stuff like that. And it's just such a good reminder that like, I feel that sometimes when you're in that top echelon and you're constantly chasing, like sometimes you may or may not get used to the space that you're in and just a reminder for all of us like how cool and how much work went into this so like her crying at the end of golden trail was like I feel that you know um so I thought that was really cool yeah yeah she was on my list as well 
one is too many good athletes right now. I know. <laughs> I will say one more honorable mention I had too was Tony McCann. She, like she was around last year, um, but she kind of jumped up an extra step for me this year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Wait, okay. Can we review that really quick? So US men, we chose Christian Allen. US women, we chose Anna Gibson. Not, we both just happened to choose her. And then yeah. global men, I went with Philemon. You went with uh, Roberto Del Renzini. And then women, we both went with Clementi. So we're pretty <laughs> simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm curious. I feel like this is where we're going to start, like, yeah. really getting away from each other. <laughs> so we'll see. But um, next up is our most consistent athlete. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see who your your athletes are, because I think mine are going to be way different. <laughs> so start us off. Uh, okay. So I'll tell you how I approach this because some of our best athletes are the most consistent. Yeah. And so I may have tried to select someone that I didn't end up picking for our last two categories. Same. Okay. So that's my, my gap. Yeah. <laughs> so my most consistent women, woman is Judith Wider. So I ended okay. up choosing um, so maybe that gives away that I didn't end up choosing her for what the two, one of the two big categories, which was hard. Um, but Judith, like, I think what I love about her is that she kind of had a off year. It wasn't even that off. It was just off compared to her previous years last year. And she's gotten back. And then immediately this year, it was like, she didn't even miss a step, you know, not back, but better if you're going Shakira Richardson style. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, second at Worlds, uh, ended up winning Dolomites, um, win at Mammoth Trail Fest, second at uh, the Golden Trail Finals, second at Pikes Peak, you know. So she really just had one big win all year, uh, but she was always in that second place if she wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. And then most recently, the, the 50K where Yingvild won. I'm guessing Judith was probably a little tired from Golden Trail. And also Yingvild is just a powerhouse of an athlete. Um, but she had second there too. So I, at least from what I could remember and see is like she never got something lower than second place, which is just yeah. wild to me. Like that's that's an incredible year. It yeah. is an incredible year. And I, I personally wouldn't select her for performance or overall. All right. So my <laughs> woman, my my most consistent athlete on the on the women's side is Andrea Marr, actually. Um she was first at the vertical at World Mountain and Trail Running Championships. She was first at Piz Tri Vertical, first at Flooded Trail, first at Challenge Selena. First at Vertical Nasego and Trofeo Nasego, and first at Dolomit Dolomitan Man. So like, she may not be like in the Golden Trail or you know, uh, but she she does like all the WMRA stuff. She won basically every single race that she touched this year, <laughs> which just blows my mind. Like, yeah, because there are other good like vertical women out there, and she's just like, see ya. Yeah, and how old is she again? I think she's 42, but let me, that we'll check that real quick. Andrea Marr, and I'm probably saying that, it's probably Mayer. She's 44. Gosh darn. That is, that is such a good pick. I didn't even, 
it the uh, honestly this one took a lot of time because there are a ton of athletes out there that are super consistent always in the top five of the races that they're running yeah. but this one just ended up sticking out to me because she's like won everything that she's done this year yeah and yeah that's just like insanely inspirational because she's 44 and she is inarguably doing the most anaerobic version of our sport she's doing vks she's basically like all out for 40 to 60 minutes uphill it's like all power it's like realistically it's probably more comparable to like a half marathon effort but in my head the vert the vk is like the 5k of the trail running world where it's just like it's so painful you have to go all out from the beginning there is no like real strategy to it you just go as hard as you can uh except that it's like an hour to an hour and 20 minutes instead of uh 15 yeah no that's such a solid pick did you have any um honorable mentions or people you had trouble deciding between um yes but I for some reason took them away Judith was one of mine uh consistent most consistent and then uh Yao Miao was another one um she she was in the top four of like pretty much every race that she ran in Europe or yeah in Europe this year and she like won every race in China yeah um I think those were my main two Miao was my other one but then when I was like digging into her results I forgot about Zagama early on. Yeah, that was it when was, I ended up not picking was, her. It was like her bookends. It was Zagama and then Golden Trail, but everything else was like very consistent. Um, yep. Or Golden Trail final, I should say. But yeah. like, I mean, that was an insane year. <laughs> to yeah. me, The like her three of Mont Blanc, second, um, Sierra's now fifth, OCC third. Yeah. Like, that's just like, you know. That's a, that's a really big, like two months. Yeah, really big. Uh, yeah. with big results and I was yeah insane all right all right who's your who's your guy no you go first <laughs> okay so uh my my most consistent athlete was Philemon Kiriago um so he was second at classic uh world mountain trail running championships first at Sears and all obviously huge result uh he ended up being the overall winner of the WMRA final at Sky Grand Canaria and he was second overall at the Golden Trail final um so and that's that's only some of his um results because he raced a lot on the um the Valsier Cup as well and I just didn't write them all down but I, he doesn't miss that often his US races were like okay but everything else was uh was pretty top notch so he he's my most consistent athlete of the year love that yeah Philemon welcome Please stay as long as you'd like <laughs> in our support. Um, so I ended up going with Robbie Simpson um, just because he's like, I, this one, I guess I thought more of like long-term too. I was going between him and Steon as well. And maybe yeah. that was also a lens I had with you. She's just been consistent, not just this year, but nearly every single year besides, you know, her little down year. And with Robbie running nearly the exact same time at Sears now again, um, hilarious. Yeah, and you know wins at, at Cape Town, the uh, top six at OCC. He's kind of just like always there. Uh, so he's the one that kind of immediately came to mind. Um, and then my other one was R- Roberto Delranzini because he stood out to me because he did everything this year, and he still was always like in the top three top five 
which yeah. that to me is uh, really, really impressive that he did the most technical to like Sears and all, which is by far our fastest race. And he still was competing with everyone. Um, so I just thought, yeah, that, those yeah. Too. my honorable, honorable mentions were, um, Manuel Marias and Antonio Martinez Perez. Oh, Antonio is a great one. Yeah. yeah. Antonio, Antonio was a good one. Um, he just, it's like compared to Philemon, I couldn't, I couldn't take Philemon out there, out of there, but um, Manuel honestly almost had it for me, but his performance at Golden Trail and uh, there was one other race that just like didn't go very well for him that I was like, I'm going to stick with Philemon. Yeah, that's great. Dang. I love that category. I think that's good. I think it's good to highlight those athletes, like people yeah. that are just always hitting the mark. Yes. <sighs> I agree. All right. Do you want to do hot topics now or do you want to do performances and then hot topics? Let's let's give them performance of the year first. Okay. And then yeah. we'll we'll dangle our performance of the year a little bit longer. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Me and MK have some hot takes to kind of, you know, add a little spice to Just the take end a little of the break. Year. Take a little break. <laughs> okay. This one was by this far. one was really hard. Yeah. Uh, and this is another one where we're going to have uh, U.S. Uh, categories as well, um, outside of just the global best races or performances. So I'll let you start us off with the the U.S. man or woman, whichever you want to okay. go with. All right, U.S. We'll go we'll start with U.S. men. Okay. All right. So this one, I thought a lot about. I thought a lot about all of these, but when I think of something. This is how I tried to choose. <laughs> when I think about something that will sit with me for a little while personally, that I also hope people don't forget. That's kind of, I was like, what's kind of unforgettable? And obviously this is my perception. I'm just delayed at this point. <laughs> I ended up choosing Eli Hemmings double. The okay. Broken Arrow uh, Mont Blanc double. Um, because it's one of those things that I'm like, I was really skeptical. I was like, I don't think he's going to pull this off. I don't know how this is going to go. You know, like everything in my gut is saying this isn't going to work out. Um, but yeah, he came back. He won, he won Broken Arrow. And then he got second at Mont Blanc. And like that men's field was great. I mean, he came in after Remy and ahead of Petter Ingle. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was incredibly, perf- uh, what's it called? Well, impressive um especially with a race as big as Mont Blanc like to come in and get second in his first year um I thought was great so that's that's what stuck out to me it's it's funny because I also still have not decided on this one <laughs> and um I think yeah so I this one's hard for me but I I'm think... very curious if you're gonna choose the other one I was trying to decide between go go Say okay it. you know what I'll just choose my other one since Eli getting second at Mont Blanc was one of my options and okay so that so that we know if we had the same second yeah. one uh my my second one is Joe Gray getting fifth at Worlds um oh. and the vertical because he was the uh well, he's Joe Gray, first off. Like when he shows up to a race, you know he's gonna put everything out there. And being there in person, watching his face on that final like climb, I was like, I could never put myself in that uh level of pain. I'm I don't think. But everyone that finished in front of him was either Kenyan or Ugandan. Like he was the first American to finish and uh the first no. non-East African. 
I mean, it was insanely competitive and I just thought that was an awesome performance. Um, but yeah, my other option was Eli getting second at Mont Blanc marathon. What was your honorable, honorable mention? Uh, I had Joe Gray written down, but I had put Christian Allen's Nasego above his mm. fifth place, but that also it's helpful that you've, you were there too. Yeah. To like, I think that helps a lot to have context for sure. Yeah. No, that but, that's a good honorable mention though, as well. But those, my, those three just were just like, I have to choose between one of these ones. Like there's no other option, at least like that came to mind. Basically we didn't choose. We just gave you all of our options. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it was helpful. Uh, how about this though? How would you frame those in the context of the entire sport, those performances? Like for uh free trail? Yeah. If you want to like help people out. Mm, I would say that in terms of the entire sport, maybe Eli's double is like probably more uh, relevant only because unfortunately Worlds and uh, Valsir just don't have the same weight yet. I think they're getting there, but like, I just, yeah, I'm not sure that they have the same impact at the moment. I would say Worlds did perhaps. Worlds Worlds was better this year for sure, but it's still not where I think it should be at least. Yeah. Like it's max potential. Whereas yeah. maybe, yeah. And that max potential could be higher or should be higher than the Mont Blanc marathon, but it's yeah, I think it way. should be, I think yeah. world championships should be the top of the top, but it's not quite there yet in trail running. Yeah. But yeah. this year was a, a, a big step above, I think. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. It's hard to say Joe Gray's fifth should be on anyone's top 10 because four gentlemen were in front of him. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, my women, my, my women's us, uh, was, I think you had the same, Oh, sorry. You probably have the same one. Uh, it's Grayson Murphy bringing home a gold from worlds as well as a bronze and defending her, um, championship. Cause that's really hard to do. Yeah. I originally had her and Sophia's Sears and Al listed, and then it only took me like three minutes to be like, no, this is Grayson's for sure. Because Sophia's win historic. I don't know if a U.S. woman has ever run Sears at all. Maybe Stevie Kremer was Stevie, the other Stevie one. Kremer and one other woman. Um, so she's the third, but she's still. the third. But if I think the difference is so if Sophia would have gotten a course record, then I may have given it to her because that's such a historic grace with so much history. Um, but Grayson's double at Worlds was just like insane. And um she just blew that second race out of the water. Um, and like you said, to defend her double, which was supposed to only be, so she got her first one in 2019. So it was supposed to be the next year because world championships at that point were every single year. Yeah. Um, and then it got delayed and delayed again. So it ended up being three years apart. Am I doing Yeah, because right? she got, yeah, it got delayed twice and then she got hurt and couldn't go. Oh, in Thailand. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Grayson's performance hands down yeah for sure and that one I would say for people's uh you know free trail it should be yeah her gold very, in the classic very, very considered uh yeah like at least top five in yeah. my opinion because we talked about this offline a little bit as well like she beat Toby Alexanderson who is one of the top ranked athletes in the world on both like ITRA and UTMP rankings yeah so and she did, she kind of smashed her. No offense yeah. to Tove. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like Tove, if I got smashed, I'd be like, yeah, that girl. Tove put me. up a hell of a fight too. <laughs> yeah. What were their downhill splits again? Do you remember? I don't remember. They were gross. They were like low fives. 
Yeah. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> it, watching it, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not a classic runner because <laughs> this is so fast. Yeah. Love it. <sighs> All right. Global men's. Global men's. Um, okay. My global men man ended up being Remy's Pikes Peak. And it was really hard because I also considered El Hussein's Dolomites race um, and also the final because to me, those just were like, I wasn't pinning him to win in either of those. And the depth of field was just, you know, the best for sub ultras um, as you can get, you know, some of the best. Uh, and especially Dolomites, like I really did not choose him. Like there's so many great, I mean, Steon, who's one of our greatest runners, Manuel, like just all the downhillers were in that and he still won and held them off. So I'm really stood out, but I ended up choosing Remy's Pikes Peak because going back to the history, like so many great runners have run that. And he still like Patrick, you know, was on and Patrick is the world champion for the VK and he beat him in an uphill race. Uh, so the, the quality, quality of field was there. The record was broken. Um, so I ended up choosing his because it's one of those two where I also I hope he breaks two hours one day because um, I would just be incredible. <laughs> yeah, I also chose uh, <laughs> Remy breaks, breaks Pike's ascent record uh, by a minute because that record is 30 years old. Yeah. And the craziest part about this is there's definitely still room because Matt Carpenter broke that on the way to the full marathon record, which yes, it is all downhill, but you have to save some amount of like energy to be able to stay on your feet for a 13 mile downhill. So it's, it's insane that it was broken in the first place because Remy's gone for it like three times now. And also Matt Carpenter's record was insane, but I'm excited to see where this goes now. Now that it's been broken, it's kind of like, you know, when uh, we talk about like women's track and field, it's like, well, now that Faith Kipiegan has done this, then more women will do it. It's like now that Remy's done it, somebody else is going to smash it. And then the women's record's got to go down at some point, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the cool thing about Remy is he does post stuff on Strava. Yeah. Pretty much regularly, I think. But with Pike's Peak, you know, someone could go and look at it like Patrick or other uh, great athletes and look at his splits and be like, where did he do this? Where did he, you know, push, et cetera. <laughs> um, and the other thing is that <laughs> what I kind of happen, hope happens is Remy's not from the United States. Like, did this light a fire under potentially some American men to be, I want to take that record back. Um, Cause that was kind of, I think a little bit of the the proudness that we held is like, oh, Matt Carpenter, you know, U.S. Colorado man, like holds the record, local local legend, you know, sort of thing. And now this uh, Swiss schemo tramp came, came and take it, came and took it. Yeah. So I I like that uh, beef. We're putting that beef out there. Putting that beef out there. (laughs) For all our U.S. men. (laughs) Go get Um, that record back. Go get that record. Uh, (laughs) And so with his performance, if I was doing the free trail, like, yeah, I I didn't even have an honorable mention for that one. That one was just like the first one that came to my head. I was like, that's it for my season. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Okay. You go first on this one. (laughs) It was really hard for me. (laughs) 
I still don't know that I've picked. I can go. I'll just I'll just say what I've highlighted because I went back and forth all morning. Okay. I had a lot of coffee this morning and I was like, <laughs> I was going crazy on these picks. But I ended up going with Sophia Lockley wins Sears and all. Um, okay, I nice. thought it was an amazing race. Um, she was not who I would have picked to run it. Even with Judith in that race, I'm not sure that uh, she wouldn't have beat Judith. Like I, I'm not confident that she wouldn't have still won. Um, and yeah, just listening, like talking to her about it and her being like thinking that Ninke was on her heels. So she just like ratcheted it up and ended up winning. Didn't she win by like four minutes, four or five minutes? Yeah. It was yeah. like, yeah, around five minutes or something. I just, yeah, I thought it was a crazy good performance. Yes, she didn't break the record, but the record has also been broken when two people are like very close the whole time. So I'm curious if just like, if if Judith had been in the race, would they have broken the record? Um, so yeah, Sophia Lockley, American winning Sears and all for the first time since Stevie Krimmer. That's my pick. Yeah, she definitely was on my list. This list, I feel like, is a really good list. Um, All right. (laughs) Danny's picking live. (laughs) I have like six listed. I don't know how many you have listed. I have three. I'm going to go Tony McCann, OCC. I'm sure that was on your list too. I just think this is a performance that people may not still realize how insane it was. Um, And what I am most curious about Two, that I think will put it into perspective is maybe this next year, if they actually do keep the course the same, if it stands for a little bit. Yeah, it'd be um, nice to have an actual course record, but OCC exactly. changes all the time. Exactly. But with her, I just go off the fact that um, how far back she was from Steon. Yeah, I mean, the men's and women's race was pretty close, like considering how fast the men run in that race. Yeah. And usually the rule of thumb is uh, a minute per mile Um, with more mountainous races. I would say sometimes it's a little bit more. And yeah, she was under that 18 plus 8, 20, 26 minutes off. Um, So yeah, I also think like, yeah, I just think that was a great performance. The other ones I had trouble deciding between was Grayson's short classic uh, race and uh, Sophia's uh, Sears and all was the other one. Yeah. And, and my, honestly, my Andrea was, Mayer, uh, the VK. Yeah. Her VK. And then she my, beat Grayson and, uh, sorry, who was And, the... uh, was it Polaris? Polaris. Yeah. It was yeah. Polaris. Yeah. Yeah. And then my other one was Clementine, her yeah. world's win. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, oh, actually, I did have a, an honorable mention for performance of the year, and it was just Steon's uh, win at Worlds because he came back and defended his title, which, again, really hard to do. Yeah, I had I had him as well. Worlds and OCC, just both yeah. of them. He's, he just, he's the keen at that distance right now. Yeah, like, he, hasn't he just didn't race enough this year for me to like, yeah, I don't know. I picked, yeah, some people that covered more uh, ground, I guess. Yeah. But this was performance, not performance. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, hot takes. We're gonna make you guys wait for the performance yeah. a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. These are some topics. Me and MK just kind of overall themes from this year. Some that are slightly forward thinking into 2024. Um, 
But the first one we have is how how is OCC going to look like next year? Because again, maybe there's some bias, but I'm also drawing from the fact that I feel that there was in a common sentiment of UTMB week that the OCC races were some of the deepest races of that week, just based on the fact of how many people have the potential to win this race, right? Like that's when we're thinking of when we're thinking of depth, not like a clear winner. Um, and so many people have already qualified for OCC. And there's also people that have a good chance that they're going to bump down. Um, so yeah. What do you think? I think that OCC next year is going to be insane. <laughs> I mean, Judith Wider just qualified at Kulamanen. Um, Clementine's qualified now. Um, the Tabor Hemmings qualified, uh, everybody that we took this year, uh, from the U S is qualified again, because Jen and I were already qualified. You qualified. Um, I'm curious, do you know specifically who is moving down? I saw that Ingvild ran the 50 K. She also planning on running OCC speculations uh but maybe Yingvild was someone I was thinking of uh Samaya yeah. Buddha she just yeah. qualified too in the 50k yeah um and she crushed at CCC uh behind Blondine not this year but 2022 yeah and yeah it just I'm sure like it's gonna hurt and same on the men's side like people are qualifying left and right like we said Christian Allen qualified speed goat 50k uh, top American return address is already qualified. Like you can just go down the list. Chad Hall is qualified. Chad Hall is qualified. Eli Hemmings qualified. Okay. Now we're just bringing up Americans. Aaron Thomas. Yeah. yeah. We got, we got like, it's so like, deep. yeah. <laughs> On the American side alone. And then like, you know, that like every, it, it's like, um, Claire Rhodes, who was on the world's team with me just qualified. And like, it's like we, this was the first year that you had to qualify to get in and you couldn't just like, you know, use your number really. And I had so many people be like, oh man, I should have done that. Like, I, you know, I have real FOMO. Claire kept telling me that. And so now everybody's quali qualifying for UTMB week. Like yeah. it's going to be insane in a lot of the races, I think, but OCC is looking to be scary. Yeah. It's just but exciting. bigger and bigger. Oh, so exciting. And, you know, again, seeing it from a U.S. lens or American lens, um, I hope maybe a, a lot of people are learning, uh, you know, try and stay healthy, boost that immune system, <laughs> et cetera. Not that we know that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, Never we gotten our, sick we, we in <laughs> But, you know, I think it's the same kind of from this last year, but more next year of how many Americans can we get in the top 10? Um because this year it was Katie Scheid and that might've been. And Rachel Drake. Oh, and no, Rachel, Rachel Drake. Drake oh yeah. Six. Rachel Drake. Yeah. But uh top 10, right. Katie yeah, Scheid yeah. and Rachel Drake. And then on the men's side, it was just Jesh, but with all those guys that just got listed, I mean, all of them could be in the top 10 or have the yeah. potential to be in the top 10. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh looking to be a spicy year already. And speaking of looking to be a spicy year, what is going to happen with Golden Trail? There are like a lot of rumors swirling around that uh, there's going to be more races, which means possibly more races required to qualify. What does that do to the 
the level of competition with because skyrunning is also adding a handful of races do they also add like a minimum qualifier does it thin out the performances more than we already are like over a bunch of different series what what is your take uh i think immediately kind of similar responses to seeing the new series coming out the world trail majors that we chatted about um I'm a little (laughs) frustrated. Like we don't need more races and it's at least for golden trail. Again, these are just rumors that there's going to be more. The official schedule has it come out at this point that we're recording. Um, It's already so hard to get three races in, Yeah, you know, to max out your points, et cetera. So to add another set of races um, to get those points, but you know, some of the pros to that are inclusion of other parts of the world, potentially that don't have easy access to races like in the u.s we already have two so you know in theory depends on where you live but you'd maybe only need one um big travel day and then this is uh more opportunities for people to kind of mix it up and adjust it based on you know other races in their schedule so there's more options you know, potentially earlier in the year or later in the year. Um, yeah, those are kind of the benefits is like, you know, more for geolocation and just more options in general. But, you know, an unbespoken potential uh, pro of this that we don't know again is like maybe this ups the prize money in Golden Trail like higher than it currently is because by adding extra races, if they add more um, media exposure and broadcasting, that potentially is more money for the race series to be handing out. And so perhaps the depth stays the same. And similar to how we saw with the US races, like it exposed a whole new talent pool uh, to the series. So say the two two races are in Asia or South America or Africa, you know, not Europe or North America, then I could see that being still beneficial for the series. Yeah, I think that it could be a net benefit as long as the uh, amount of qualifiers don't go up. If it can, if it stays like they add races, but you still only have to run three. I think that's great because like you said, it offers more opportunity for more people. Yeah. Um, But if you have to run more races, I think it gets to the point where People start like we saw a lot of people this year that did both Golden Trail and Skyrunning or both Golden Trail and qualifying for UTMB or whatever. Um, But if you have to run more races, you'll start seeing people choosing just one uh, series, I think, which is like the opposite of what we want in trail running right now. We want we want it all. We want the competition like to be going to the same places (laughs) or similar places. So it's like. Yeah, I think it just depends on if they change the rules or not. Yeah, no, I would agree with that too. It definitely seems to be a somewhat of a power move by all of these series to say, we just want you in our series. We don't want you. We don't really want to share you. Share. Maybe that's an over. Um, I don't think it is. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that's a, I think that's not a hot take. (laughs) Yeah, maybe this is just a take. (laughs) I think that, uh, yeah, the series don't want to share um, because especially when it comes to uh, championship season, it's really hard to do four championships in a row. Like you have, you know, UTMB week, 
And then you have uh, like a little bit of a break before it's Valsir, Golden Trail, Sky Running. And then in 2025, Worlds is going to be like right up in that mix. It's the beginning of September. So it's like, how do you prioritize what is best for your career? What is the most fun? What makes you the most money? All of those things. <laughs> yeah, which uh, shameless plug, we will have an episode on how to choose your calendar or, you know, our recommendations. For yeah. We're not <laughs> perfect. Find, yeah, we're not <laughs> perfect. But, you know, when you find yourself in situations like this, how to kind of help you choose. Um, all right. What other hot takes you got? I think those are the biggest ones right now. I don't know if Oh, you, I got one more. You got though. one more? Okay. Is is the reign of Solomon as the premier sub ultra team coming to an end? I guess it decides or it depends on uh what like side of the coin you're looking at. On the women's side, it seems like they're growing stronger every year. But on the men's side, it's just it's not the same. Like Obviously, we talked about Brooks. We talked about Team Run Together. You've got, um, like, kids from America that aren't sponsored by Solomon coming in. And I think that's going to be a big part of it. Um, yeah. Give us give us your hot take on the reign of Solomon, Danny. <laughs> well, I think if you were to dive into the history, Solomon, this is an oversimplification maybe, but Solomon kind of, like, really helped sub ultra become a more premier distance. I mean, golden trail alone uh, has the Solomon logo and the Solomon support and sponsor. And within, I think it's been four, maybe five years uh, has become such a premier series. And at first, <laughs> honestly, when it first came out the series, it was just almost a hundred percent Solomon runners. And my perception of it was, what the heck is this? It's just like a Solomon, you know, like, I don't know, time trial or something like that. Maybe I'm not the only one that thought of that. Um, no. But I was like, why would I go to race all Solomon people? But then as the series was picking up, other people started to, you know, join in. It's like, oh, that's that wasn't a Solomon team camp. That was actually a series. Okay, now it's starting to make sense. Uh, but honestly, what stuck out to me this year, check this, men's Final rankings. First place Solomon, which obviously was replicated. Bull Solomon winners, Remy and Sophia. But it went Solomon, run together, run together. Uh, this is uh, Holly Fat, which is El Husein, but he is now Killian's brand. Normal. Normal. Solomon. So Solomon went 1-5. And then it went Brooks, Solomon, Scarpa, Brooks, Brooks. So Solomon had one, two, three guys in the top 10 and Brooks had one, two, three guys in the top 10. And that's not a lot compared to years past, like you were saying, oh, yeah. like, where it no. just looked like Solomon team camp out there. Exactly. And then the women's side, I think was even more uh, engaging to a certain point because it went Solomon, Hoka, not signed, Solomon, Solomon. Hoka, Team Malay, um, Brooks, Brooks, Asics. So you still kind of like Solomon up front and then it kind of became, but um, yeah, honestly, my prediction is that Solomon isn't going to be so high above everyone. Like it's an actual like competition between the races, which is way more engaging to me versus, yeah. you know, it's, it's fun to root for, 
what was it like Tom Brady right when he's like winning all the time and yada 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 but to me it's so much more engaging when there's like a constant fight going on and it's really close yeah it's not that fun to like watch people just dominate all the time exactly and like you said Solomon has done a lot for the sport of sub ultra like they basically started golden trail (laughs) with Greg being a big part of that but um yeah it's I think it's time for some other brands to like support athletes running these shorter races that's a big part of it obviously right is that Solomon was willing to kind of like try something new and give monetary support to some athletes that were running shorter events and I think that other brands are starting to see that that does pay off because like we've talked about before, you can really um, make those more accessible in terms of like spectating and uh, spectators are the people that pay for shoes. Exactly. And this is by no means a bash on Solomon. Like Solomon has helped us so much, the sub ultra space. Like we owe so much to them uh, and the brains uh, behind golden trail, et cetera. Um, And honestly, kudos to them because they were the ones that were like, Hey, our team is the best come and compete against us. Like we yeah. made this series. We'll even pay for you to come and compete. Yes. Against us. Like who does that? You know, they're like, come, come, come run against us. So yeah, kudos to Solomon, but it's exciting to see that there's almost think tank experiences paying off. Yes. No, I would agree. Um, right. Oh, I guess final thing that we were going to talk about was uh, coverage for women's races this year. Yeah. Really hit or miss kind of, you know, tooting golden trails horn again but like their decision to split the men's and the women's races uh so that the women would have just as much coverage time as the men i thought that was huge and i am hoping crossing my fingers all of those things that other races start to follow along with that um because i know that my experience at worlds my whole family like woke up in the middle of the night to watch this live coverage i finished in the top 10 and uh they stopped showing the race after the fifth woman finished like they're like yeah we've already got like 60 dudes through so (laughs) and that was really disappointing for like my family and for me because they didn't get to see it yeah no definitely it uh definitely needs to be better worlds and utmb need a lot of improvement and golden trail is leading the way with that for sure starting to have them on separate days um, and we, we understand, like, I understand that's not as accessible for everybody, you know, cause then you suddenly have to add an extra day of travel potentially, etc. But as far as the professionalization of the sport, uh, it's really good. It's a huge pro. Yeah. I mean, there, there are ways to provide coverage for both in one race. I mean, Broken Arrow does a really good job of that. They have follow cams specifically for the men's race and specifically for the women's so that there's not a follow cam that has to like leave the women's race to go, you know, see the first man finish or whatever. Um, So it just has to be more of a priority. There's a lot of things that were uh, like issues like that. I know at UTMB week this year, like the uh, bus passes for elite athletes, hopefully that kind of stuff changes with the change in the uh, UTMB index. And uh, how that all shakes out. But in terms of coverage, it's just, it's got to be better. Like women's races are just as exciting. They just happen to have men sprinkled in there as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, come on, we're sub ultra. We're not even out there for so long. Like trial and test it with our group. Mm -hmm. If you're like struggling with it, with ultras and stuff. Um, 
But yeah, for some reason, yeah, the, the thing with worlds really upset me. And Clementine didn't she didn't have her own tape to break, and she's a freaking world champion. Give that girl yeah. like 10 tapes to break through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Those are those are some of our our hot takes. Um my last one is how much more is it uh is the well, I got this. Is the level going to increase? Like, are we going to continue seeing more college athletes coming into the subulture space? Yeah, I think with the amount of money involved in subultra now and the fact that brands actually care about it, um, yes, I think that the competition continues to elevate. I mean, even in, just in the U.S. alone, you know, you have athletes who are being signed to run both track and uh, trails like Lauren Gregory, Anna Gibson, um, and like, I think that's insane. Like we were talking about the, the VK distance, that uphill race is like so similar to like a 5k effort as weird as that sounds, um, that these kids coming out of college are going to be so good at this sub ultra distance, especially uphill races. And so I think those just continue to be more and more competitive every year that it becomes more relevant. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Check, 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 (laughs) check, check, check. (laughs) All right, we've dangled this carrot long <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay, so overall performers, our picks, we're going to do U.S. men, U.S. women, global men, global women. And this is, again, so like the performances, this is something you can also consider when you're voting on the free trail, uh, voting for the, the runner trail runner of the year. And so with our global ones, we'll definitely provide context for how incredible we think these athletes are. All right. U.S. women. We'll do women first. Yeah. All right. This one was so hard for me because, all right, I ended up going with Sophia. And it was hard because it sucks. I'm, I, I really feel for Grayson in this later half of the year, because if her performance at world was any tickle of a showing of how the rest of her year was going to go, she would have been competing with Sophia for the win for overall. And yeah, so it's hard because emotionally I'm like, that was insane. Uh, But Sophia, you know, wins at Mont Blanc and Sierra now, and not just wins, but wins in the same year. I think it's just awesome uh, for two historic races. And then another win at Pikes Peak uh, after not winning last year, second at Dolomites, and then winning the overall, which from my knowledge, which I think is correct, she's the first American woman to win overall in Golden Trail World Series in the rankings. I think that should be right because Rachel was would have been the highest second. previously at second, right? Yeah. Making Kim will cross my mind, but I don't think she... Uh, uh, ever got it higher than second or first so yeah she's our first american overall champion so i think that's worth a u.s woman overall in, performer in her second year trail running <laughs> yeah in her second year trail running um yeah, yeah and grace and very strong honorable mention there yep yeah, yeah um mine are the same <laughs> sophia lockley <laughs> is my u.s yeah. female um for all of those results that you've already mentioned i mean she had an amazing year um she's started ski season now so she won't be running for a bit but uh, i'm sure she'll be very ready to compete just as hard next year yeah definitely um so my u.s male is eli hemming 
uh, first at Broken Arrow, and then a week later, second at Mont Blanc Marathon. Um, he was 15th at Sears and all this year, which I know was not as good as he wanted it to be, but it was better than last year's performance. Um, third at Pikes Peak Ascent and fifth overall at the Golden Trail World Series, which again, I know that wasn't what he was looking for, but he had just run Kodiak 50K the weekend before. And then, so they ran the 50K on a Sunday and then traveled all the way to Italy and ran the prologue on like Wednesday and Thursday. So I was just impressed with the, uh, I guess, how how well he handled all of those doubles. Yeah, same. I ended up going with Eli Hemming also um, for all the results that you mentioned. And honestly, uh, Pike's Peak really stood out to me. Like he had really great performances, but Pike's Peak, I didn't expect him to get third. And he beat Setsamore and Joe Gray, you know, two incredible yeah. climbers both from Colorado. Uh, I guess Eli's from Colorado too. Um, but yeah, that was a long list of American men. So Eli got third, Seth Demore got fourth, Joe Gray fifth, Brian Whitfield eighth, Chad Hall ninth, Noah Williams, Mika 11th, Sam Henry 12th. Like he was the first American man yeah. in a very good uh, international field. Um, and also with him is like, he raced a lot of deep fields uh, yes. this year. And so. did very well. It did very well. And yeah, yeah I wrote down the, the Kodiak, uh, Kodiak, Kodiak, Kodiak. <laughs> caveats yeah, five times fast. Um, and I'm so excited to see how he does at OCC next year. Yeah. That distance is very much like his wheelhouse, I think. And finally, our Drum global, <laughs> our global performers of the year. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. let's start with global <laughs> female i think that actually i know now that you and i have different uh picks on this <laughs> yeah so i ended up going with Judith wider um nice. i it, i went back and forth between her and sophia a lot but i ended up going with Judith because of the fact that she raced worlds and golden trail and throughout the season she got second at worlds and then she and sophia um head to head had the same amount of wins like against each other yes she was second at the golden trail final and sophia was third um behind floria but head to head they had like an equal amount or sophia may have had one more over her i'm looking at my stuff now so second so Judith, i'll just name Judith's stuff second at uh world mountain trail running short trail first at dolmouth first at mammoth Second at Pikes behind Sophia, second overall Golden Trail World Series. Um, and she beat Sophia out at the Golden Trail final, but just tied her in points and, and tied her in points. But Sophia won because she had more wins on the year with her win at Mont Blanc Marathon. Um, but yeah, I ended up going with Judith because of her um, performance at Worlds and at Golden Trail. Yep. <laughs> uh I had her listed and then I ended up not choosing her so that's why I put her above I even had her Dolomites as a top performance of the year because um kind of like El Hussein I just didn't know what was gonna happen and I thought that was so cool she like returned back yeah (sighs) okay I honestly I was it was Judas Sophia or Tony drumroll I ended up going with Tony the reason being is her three biggest races of the year, she won and she set 
mega course records. OCC obviously has an asterisk by it, but Transvolcania is like a really great easy, early season race. And it isn't a race, at least for the marathon distance, that great runners haven't run before. And she set a course record there. Uh, OCC won. And then she just ran Ultratown, Cape Town, and ran an absurd course record, like 30 minutes or something like that. Um, and yeah, all those performances just really stood out to me. And then, yeah, Sophia and Judith. I, It's just so hard. Those three, to me, just like were all like top tier the entire year um because there's a couple of people I like initially wrote down but then as I dug into their results I was like oh wait a second they did have a a miss like you know gosh yeah it. like they're off the podium they're like in fifth place um but all three of them like none of them finished below third I think Sophia had the lowest with the third place but besides at, that um yeah at prologue maybe or yeah or the final, the last race. The yeah. final, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. she was first or second all year. Tony was first all year, and Judith was first or second all year. Yeah. Yeah. Big year for women's trail running. Yeah. Dang. I wish I could put Tony and Sophia as a tie, or just all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, but how about this? Like, If you're doing your rankings, all three of these women should be in your top ten, I think. Yeah. No, I would agree. Ugh, that's so no hard doubt. i'm sticking with judith yeah that's a real is a really good fix I, I you did a very good job defending your thesis there thank you yeah <laughs> all right and our global guy who's gonna go first <laughs> uh, this was another hard this wasn't an, another one that i had to wait until like i was still doing it this morning when i had a ton of coffee um yeah but Okay, I'll go. Okay. Um, dang it. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Steon. I was, okay. it came down to Remy or Steon for me. And Steon wore, won the world championships in the short trail and he won at OCC. He had a slight miss at Dolomites. I think like that was an off day for him. But to me, those were two incredible fields. Um, and to me, his world's coming back and defending his title, uh, just was incredibly impressive. Um, and then what I love about uh, OCC, which maybe you agree or not agree, but I do feel like OCC brings runners from kind of all of the different series and Steon still won, you know, with great sky runners and people that were kind of all on different schedules, um, so yeah, with worlds and OCC winning both of those races, like that didn't happen on the women's side. Uh, no. so I just thought that was incredibly, uh, incredible. And then, yeah, my, my very, very near 0. 0.000001 honorable mention is Remy Bonet with Pikes Peak, Mammoth Trail Fest, Mont Blanc Marathon. Oh, just whenever I start saying out loud, it's just so easy to teeter, but I'll stick with those. Yeah. Yeah. Steon was definitely on my short list. The the main reason I didn't end up going with Steon is because he just his season wasn't very full. Like it, two huge wins, like no doubt. And coming back and repeating a world championship, it was hard for me to not pick him. Um, but I actually ended up going with uh Patrick Kipniano. Uh first at World Mountain Trail running 
championships in the vertical, also repeating a world championship. He had won the previous year in Thailand. Um, he was also fifth in the classic. Uh, he was the overall WMRA first for the entire year. Like his ranking never swayed from number one. Um, he was second at Sears and all only like a minute behind Philemon and second at Pike's peak, uh, to Remy's historic performance. And so it was hard for me to pick between Patrick Philemon and Remy, but I ended up picking Patrick because he competes in a couple of different series. He did really well at worlds Valsir and golden trail. Remy really only does golden trail. Um, and I ended up picking Patrick over Philemon mostly because head to head, Patrick has beaten him um, eight times and Philemon has won six times. So I ha- I went through their results and like had to uh, match them up against each other. Cause it was this, the, this one was a hard one, but yeah, Patrick is my uh, top performing athlete of the year. Yeah. The other thing with Patrick too, is that Remy has raced pikes before and that was Patrick's yeah. first time racing yes. that race. And he already ran one of the best, I think it's probably like top three or four best times ever. I think ever. it was faster than, or the only other person that has run faster is Remy and Matt. Like it's Remy's time, Matt's time, Remy's time. And then I think Patrick's, but Dang. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds right for sure. Um, yeah. Insane. Two other names that like were on my list originally when I was just going off a gut before I started jumping into results was actually El Hussein because yeah. he had a great year. Um, I don't he know had a lot of off performances, which is why I ended up not going with him. Yeah, yeah, he had a lot of upsets and then kind of like teetered in the other way. Um, and then Antonio Perez, who we had yeah. on the pod, uh, but for him, uh, kind of similar to what you were saying, is that he's just mainly sky running. Like he yeah. came over to OCC. Um, but dominated in, in sky running and crushed it there. So yeah, yep. he yeah. was, he was actually an honorable mention for a uh, most consistent athlete for me. Yeah. Cause his I mean, performances at the sky running series is just like so cool. So consistent yeah. four wins, a second place, a third place. Well, third place was OCC too, showing that he can do less technical compared to what he does. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dang. All right. It was a good year. Yeah, it was a good year. Um, well, we hope you enjoyed this and that, you know, if you're struggling to kind of compare results and stuff and performers, um, I guess do that really quick. Patrick in the overall list. I I started my overall list and I'm pretty sure he's in my top three. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had like, I, I, that was my initial splash onto the canvas there. Um, but I am going to have to sit down and kind of go through some stuff, um, a little bit more, but I think he's going to be top three, if not top four on my, uh, Troy awards. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Steon, Remy and Patrick would all, will all be in my top 10 somewhere. I don't know oh, yeah. where yet, but like for sure. And then maybe Phil von Helsing, but I need to like go through what's kind of nice is you can kind of think of it as like, who are some top zero to 20 K BK people who are 20 to 50 K hundred K and hundred that, you know, if you break it down that way, um, knowing that there should be notable performances and performance in all those highly, yeah. highly recommend. 
cool yeah hopefully we helped you guys out with some uh free trail troy and t-boy <laughs> Well, this has been the Stuff Love Pod brought to you by Free Trails.